Welcome to The Common Cleric, the show that uses common words to talk about uncommon things. I'm Jeremiah Wilson. This week's Sunday special features a sermon from the 130th Psalm. May you find words of encouragement, hope, and forgiveness. If you will join me in uh, whatever app or Bible you have to the 130th Psalm. It's just eight verses, so we will read the whole Psalm. The 130th Psalm. A song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the pleas of mercy, for mercy. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. In his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. More than the watchman for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is a steadfast love, and with him a plentiful redemption. And he will he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So this time is a very odd time. Uh, it's so different from anything many of us have ever experienced in our lives. Things are so normal and yet so unnormal at the same time. If you're on any kind of social media, you will see everyone sharing the same thing, essentially saying something to the effect of, well, this is strange. In the midst of the strangeness, in the midst of the oddities, we all know that something is just off. We all want things to get back to normal, but more than that, we're all longing for something more. We all long for something. If it's If this time has done anything for us, it's that it's helped us to realize that we are all longing for something more. And so it's upon this longing that I want to capture in on this morning. I want us to to pay attention to the 130th Psalm because this is a song of ascent. Song, you'll see that most translations will have that somewhere in the verse 1 area, song of ascent. Songs of Ascent were designed for those who were going up to Jerusalem for one of their regularly occurring festivals. So the people of Israel had to go up to Jerusalem during different scheduled times of the year to to bring offerings and sacrifices. And they literally had to go up to Jerusalem. Jerusalem sits about 2,700 feet above sea level. And so for most of these people uh, making this journey and this pilgrimage, Uh, They were literally having to go up. It's not just saying, hey, we're going to go up to Nashville. Uh, These people were literally walking up. And so it's very fitting for a song of ascent for the the worshipers and the the psalmist here to say that is they're crying out of the depths of their life. They're crying out of the depths from which they are coming. The the speaker is using the word depths here uh, to say that they're near despair that they're filled with terror as if they are drowning. I don't know if you have ever uh, drowned or been drowning as you've swim or been out at the the ocean. 
but when you're drowning, panic sets in. You you begin to grasp literally at anything and everything, trying to get an upper hand, but nothing is achieving that salvation. And you begin to feel utterly and completely hopeless. And it's these depths that the speaker and the worshipers, as they ascend to Jerusalem, they're, they're, they're crying out, Oh Lord, from this depth, hear my cries. Because these worshipers and psalmist recognizes that they're not going to be able to get themselves out of this situation. Self-help books are not the answer for them. You see, those who were worshiping, those who were marching and, and pilgriming, pilgriming to Jerusalem, recognized that there was trouble in their life. They recognized that there was a sin that they were guilty of. And he and they're all aware of their need for grace. They recognize they're in the depths of despair, that their sin has completely isolated themselves from God. Right now, we happen to know a lot about isolation. We're all starting to experience it for ourselves personally. But when we sin, sin isolates, or because of our sin, we're isolated from God. There is no relationship. There is no communication. There's no Facebook Messenger or Facebook Live or, or Zoom app that we can get to God. We're completely and totally isolated. And see, so these worshipers had to recognize their need for repentance. They had to recognize that they were truly at the depths of despair because of their, because of their, their sin. They saw God physically being up on the mountaintop at the temple. And here they are at the bottom of the hill calling out from the depths of the weight of the sin that they were experiencing. As we read this song, we have to really come to grips and and have an idea, do we have this same response of drowning after we sin? Do we feel all of these, all the, the emotions and the hopelessness and the helplessness of drowning when we are sinning? Currently, millions of people around the world are full of despairs, despair. Uh, within America, we see our 401ks shrinking. Uh, hundreds of thousands of people are being laid off. Hundreds of thousands of people are having their hours cut off, um, their schedules shortened. People are being told to stay home, to stay isolated. I don't know if you've seen the current commercials that the CDC has been pushing out, but there's a hashtag alone together. Um, it's really a weird hashtag, but we're literally being told stay alone, stay isolated from one another. So we're all aware of the, the despair and the heaviness that comes with this isolation, with the depths that we feel. We all recognize that we can't get out of this coronavirus situation alone. There's nothing I can do to help my situation. We need the CDC to come together with a vaccine. We need the government to help us out. We need all these different other entities help from something that is greater than ourselves. But do we have the capture all of the emotions that we are feeling over this coronavirus situation, do we have that same feeling when we sin? Do we have that same despair over the sin in our lives? Do we feel the isolation and the hopelessness and the aloneness that it creates between us and God? Do we have sheer terror and hopelessness after we sin? 
Are we trying to get ourselves out of it? Out of it? Um, talking to ourselves saying, hey, I can get myself out of this situation. Or do we recognize there needs to be help from someone greater? Because that's what the worshipers and the psalmist and, and the psalm understood as they marched to Jerusalem. They recognized that they were at their depths. But up there, there's someone who can help. The Song of Ascent, again, is the song that these people sang and, and praised and prayed as they physically went up to Jerusalem. And the imagery there is quite astonishing and stunning because as they went up, the Lord would hear their cries and the Lord was faithful to bring them up out of their depths. As the people prayed and sang this psalm, as they marched up to Jerusalem, there was a certainty of forgiveness. They knew with assurance that there was forgiveness on the other side. They were not worried about staying in the depths, but they knew, I'm going up. He says in verse 3, O Lord, should you mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? The psalmist recognizes and the worshipers as they sing this song, they recognize that the Lord does not hold things against us. Even when we are at our lowest point, God is faithful to forgive us. He's always going to forgive us no matter what we've done. Does not matter how low we are. Does not matter what depths we have gone to. There is forgiveness and there's an assurance of forgiveness in this psalm. There was this psalm, the language of it speaks to that there's no doubt that God would and that God does forgive. Verse 4, but with you, but with you, there is forgiveness. There's an assurance there. But one of these, the goals of this forgiveness is the restoration of a relationship. But with you, there is forgiveness that you may be feared. The primary objective of any kind of true forgiveness is to bring back into relationship with, with people, with whoever it is that you are forgiving. You want that relationship rekindled. And he says there in verse 4 that you may be feared. Divine, true forgiveness and, and divine forgiveness does not uh, bring dread. That's judgment. True forgiveness, divine forgiveness evokes reverence. It evokes awe. It evokes a feeling of, why? What? I, I did all of this. Why would you? There's a gratitude and there's a, there's a burden that is relieved and, and an awe. And there's no more dread. There's an attraction, if you will. The word that's used here is fear, that you may be feared. That's not the, the servile fear that a lot of us think of. When, when many of us think of fear, we think of like a servant's fear, that we're afraid of the punishment that disobedience or doing wrong might bring. This kind of fear is not motivated by honor or duty or love. It's motivated out of fear of the punishment. We're afraid of what might happen if we disobey. But the fear here that the worshipers proclaim as they march up to Jerusalem is a filial fear. It's a, it's a fear of offending or betraying or, or displeasing 
the object of love. It's a fear of, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to hurt you. I'm afraid of letting you down. Not afraid of the punishment, but afraid of letting you down. And that's why God forgives. That's why the psalmist knew with assurance, but with you there is forgiveness because you want the relationship with us. God does not forgive us so that we can continue down the wrong path. God does not forgive us so that we can continue to do what it is that we've always done. But he forgives us so that we can walk in that new relationship out of gratitude of his grace. So that we can enter into a reverence and an awe and an attraction to him in which we're afraid of letting him down, not afraid of what might come if we disobey. We have to remember, just as the psalmist and the worshipers do, there is always forgiveness. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what depths you've gone down into. There's always forgiveness. Romans chapter 8, verse 38, verse 39 says that there's no height nor depth. Nothing can separate us from the love that is ours through Jesus Christ. When we truly feel the depth of our isolation from God, we need to have assurance that God forgives. Verse 4, but in you, O God, there is, with you, O God, there is forgiveness. We need to have that assurance. Reminds me of the story of Peter walking on the water in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Peter steps out of the boat because he sees Jesus on the water and he steps out of the boat, starts to walk, but then he sees the storm and the waves and the winds and he begins to get afraid and he begins to sink. In reality, he begins to drown. He starts grabbing and grasping at everything, but he says one thing, Lord, save me. There was an assurance there that even though he couldn't reach God, even though he couldn't reach Jesus, he knew Jesus was there. And that's where we see Jesus reaching out to him. It's not us reaching out to him because we're drowning, we're grasping. But we have an assurance that there is forgiveness. And in that, Jesus reaches and he grasps us. And he does this for the purpose of a relationship, for the purpose of a filial relationship, where we don't want to sin, where we don't want to go back down to those depths because we don't want to hurt or offend or betray him. It's him that, it's the Lord himself that all of this is about. It's the Lord himself that the psalmist and the people as they worship going to Jerusalem are longing for, not an escape from punishment. He says there in verse six, my soul waits, my soul longs for the Lord more than the watchman for the morning. The people of Israel as a whole longed for the Messiah's coming. They longed for the fruition of the relationship forgiveness brings. They longed for the culmination of redemption. The Old Testament idea of redemption is where the nearest male relative is responsible for typically the economic well-being of his next of kin. Uh, because this next of kin for whatever reason, lacks the sufficient means to redeem himself. So this idea of the Redeemer is this next of kin redeeming or, or being responsible for the well-being of someone else because they 
lacked everything because that person could not bring themselves out of the depths. God has a history of redeeming his people. He has a history of saving his people from situations they cannot get themselves out of. We see God leading his people and redeeming his people out of the kingdom, the nation of Egypt. There was nothing they could do to get out, but God redeemed them. We see God constantly saving his people from the enemies that were around them as they wandered in the desert for 40 years and then went into the promised land to overtake it. He saved them because they could not do it themselves. Later in Israel's history, we see that God redeems or saves his people from exile, brings them back because they cannot do it themselves. God has this history of redeeming. God redeems his people because he has chosen them. We see in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5, where it says, Obey my word and keep my commandments, and you will be a people of my possession. God had called the Israelites to be a people for his own, and that's why he constantly redeemed them. He saved them because they were not able to, but he was their next of kin. He was their nearest male relative. He was the one who was able to bring them out of their situation. God redeems his people from exile, from the isolation of sin, because they cannot save themselves from it. He does this because he wants a relationship with them. He does it because he is the one who is responsible for our well-being because he chose them in Exodus 19. Well, really long before that. Just as the watchman longs for the morning, just as the worshipers, as they marched up the mountain to go to Jerusalem, to bring their sacrifice, to bring their offering, just as they longed after the Lord, let us long after the Lord, not just to escape some punishment. It is my hope that we long for his coming. In our depths, we can there's no way we can possibly hope to save ourselves from our sin. We cannot save ourselves from the depths that we feel or that we should feel in the midst of our sin, where we feel hopeless and in terror and in isolation. There's nothing we can do to rekindle that relationship. But we need a Redeemer. And Christ is the one who takes the responsibility of our well-being. He is our next relative. Titus chapter 2 verse 14 says that Jesus Christ is the Redeemer, that he purifies for himself a people for his own possession. That language is awfully familiar to Exodus 19 verse 5. Christ achieves what we cannot for ourselves. We cannot obey his word. We cannot obey his commandments. But Christ being that kinsman Redeemer redeems us for himself because he has claimed us as his people. There's hope for redemption in the depths that we feel. When we sin and we feel isolated and we feel filled with terror and hopelessness, we have an assurance of forgiveness and we have redemption. We can have confidence that God will free us from that isolation that we feel due to our iniquities. I want us to be encouraged that the Lord does hear our cries. 
His ears are attentive to our pleas. Let us be reminded that we are still in Lent. I know that this craziness is thrown off all sense of time, but we are still in Lent. Lent is a season of preparation. It is a pilgrimage, if you will, to Easter. And in light of that, let this song of our uh, a song of ascent be our song during Lent. As we pilgrim towards Easter, let us recognize our own need for forgiveness. Let us recognize our depth in our sin. But let us have assurance that even in that place of depth, there is forgiveness through Christ, our Redeemer, to be in relationship with our Creator. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Common Cleric. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by subscribing and leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And as you know, do the social media thing. Share this so your friends can join the conversation as well. Until next time.